This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Signals from the Frontline, your every Wednesday live cast brought to you by Frontline Gaming on Twitch. Uh, kind of a, a strong opening there. That was good. That was Mariona good. just was like, okay, you're live. And we're like, oh, good. So uh, live, live broadcasting, you never know what's going to happen. Often, the salty banana live show. says something he's not supposed to. So, Yeah, you can, if you're watching live, man, you'll get some stuff that doesn't get on YouTube. There's an incentive yeah. to watch us live. So, A lot of leaks. Thank you all for joining us. I'm your host, Reese, a.k.a. Reesius on the interwebs. And with me, as always, are Francois, Francois, the Peach Fuzz. One day you'll get the name right. Uh, One day. Eh. The Peach Fuzz. Half the fun is not getting it right. Ooh. And the leaky banana. Yeah. The Danish treat. The Danish treat. I'm still waiting for my package. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the show brought to you by Frontline Gaming as stated. And we sell the things we talk about at a discount. Hop on over to FrontlineGaming.org. Go into the store and you can pick up any of the goodies at a discount or with free shipping if you're within the continental United States for orders $99 and up. So we have a really cool show for you today. Let's jump in and talk about it. Mm-hmm. The topic of the day is going to be Death Watch. We're going to dive into that after we cover some news. So let's talk about some news, gentlemen. Sure. News it up. News it up. Okay, obviously, pre-order for this week is the new Death Watch Codex, Death Watch cards. The cards are actually quite useful. Mm-hmm. And uh, Watch Captain Artemis. New clan pack. New clan pack. I thought he was already actually in a clan pack, and so I was like looking for that like because i was building the pre-order for in our web cart and i was like wasn't that already a thing and i guess no i uh i thought he was too yeah nope was, no, was he available was... at all no uh, just... no they just had the normal watch captain got it yeah so now there's a new named watch captain who's he's pretty good i think most people are going to take the generic Watchmaster personally but i could be wrong does he let you re-roll ones he his special rule i can't remember what his special rule it's kind of a generic he gets like a feel no pain like yeah he has six up feel no pain yeah, that's nice right. yeah it's not, i mean it's not bad yeah it makes him you basically mathematically get an extra wound it's pretty good he himself gets it or he's is an aura yeah. no it's just himself. just him yeah. it's not bad and the other watch masters are on foot too for the most yeah. part so it's like it's better than nothing yeah no it's it, i mean it's not bad right and then uh otherwise you know, it's pretty good cool model yeah, I like it. The model probably just cool. take a normal watch captain person. But. And then we'll, we'll dig into that a yeah. little bit later. We'll talk about the ups and downs of selecting Mr. Artemis. And of course, you can always just buy the model and then use him as a normal watch yeah. master if you so choose, because it Whoa. is a cool model. It is. It's super dynamic. It's from that um, the, the Death Watch uh, box set that came out, right? With Eldrad and... Um, what was is it that called? where he was from? It was. He was in that. That's what it was. Okay, so he did exist previously. He did, but you, yeah, you could only get him if he had bought that set, but then that set became out of production. So Nice. Yeah. Yeah, and they're breaking them up so that you can get your whatever you want out of those triumvirate boxes uh, individually. So now you can. And then, of course, also, you can pick up the Achillean Leviathan. It's the giant sea turtle. Nice. It looks cool. It's an amazing model. Okay, first of all, get past the silliness of a giant sea turtle swimming through the air. Right. They're they're swimming through the aether sea. Aether sea. So it's actually floating through the water. The water is in the air. Yeah, Reese. Jesus. Get get ready for it. Magic. 
Duh. <laughs> Pardon me. So uh, that's also a, uh, a beautiful model. It's really good also in, yeah. uh, in uh, Age of Sigmar. It has an aura that uh, all the uh, Deepkin models within nine inches are count as being in cover, mm -hmm. which is a really, really, really strong buff, obviously. But then the Leviathan itself is very powerful in melee. It's big. It's main chomp attack. You only get one attack, but if you roll a six to hit, it does six mortal wounds. Mm -hmm. That's extremely powerful, uh, obviously. But then his fin attacks are all three damage attacks. So the dude just, he puts a, a womp in down on whatever he attacks. He has a three up save. I think he has 16 wounds. Yes. And he has the fly keyword, which in the way the deep can work, it's so strong. You can only shoot the closest enemy unit ever. Mm -hmm. So he's going to be hanging out behind your screen. Mm -hmm. And then on turn probably two or three, he'll go over the screen, go into melee, and he just, he hits extremely hard. Yeah. So I have a, I, I think we'll see a lot of Leviathans in Deepkin armies. He's really, uh, really strong. So make sure to go into the web cart, grab those if you are interested. Great time to do so. Uh, again, a at a discount, possibly with free shipping. So check those out. Also, another friendly reminder, we'll be giving you these every week as we come closer to the Las <coughs> Vegas Open. LVO 2019 registration will open in the first week of June. That's just about four weeks away. It's not too far. So put a couple bucks aside so that you can grab tickets for the events that you are most interested in attending. Uh, events have been around the world have been selling out quicker and quicker. They've been growing. And the Las Vegas Open, some of the very popular events tend to sell out sometimes in under an hour. So if you do want to make sure that you get a ticket for an event that you're very excited about, a package deal that saves you money, please mark your calendar, uh, put a couple bucks aside, be prepared for that so that you can grab one and not risk uh, missing out. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to do that. So uh, just to give you kind of a, a preview, the ones that really go quickly, uh, the uh, high roller packages are like instantaneous, gone. Mm -hmm. 40K narrative is usually gone like right away. And something we did new last year that proved to be really, really popular is we put together some packages, yeah. like the 40K Champions package, yeah. the 40K Narrative package, the War Machine Hordes package. Those are limited. Uh, basically, it gives you everything you need, right? Your, your con badge, a t-shirt, uh, an event ticket, and it's at a discounted price, at a significant discount. And we put those out there early just to, to incentivize people that uh, jump in and take care of all this stuff right away because mm -hmm. it helps us to plan. Uh, you get a really nice, you basically get the t-shirt for free is the way it breaks down. So if you do have a mind to pick one of those up, please do it like mm -hmm. ASAP when registration opens. Yeah, and the artwork yeah. this year on the t-shirts is going to be it. amazing. Really <laughs> it's, great. It's, yeah. uh, uh, it's a commissar, right? It's so, commissar Elvis. Yeah, at the fat, end of, commissar fat Elvis, yeah. which is my favorite Elvis. Like, watch <laughs> those videos of Elvis at the, you know, towards the end, yeah. and he's just mumbling and just, well, yeah. well you know, it's, it's amazing. I do like yeah. the the servo skull with the the swoosh, the little pompadour. That's yeah. the pompadour. Yeah, he's rocking it. That's a yeah. great. I mean, that shirt. I mean, I would buy that shirt just because it looks cool. It's <laughs> yeah. Funny. yeah. You know, it's, it's uh, every year we have new art, and it's always Vegas themed. Often, yeah. With uh, last year was. Uh, early Elvis uh, in yeah. his career. He was a Space Marine Elvis. Yeah, yeah. super fit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this year, uh, Go Boy was like, can I do Fat Elvis? I was like, yes, please yes. do. Because that's yep. amazing. <laughs> uh, we got to do next year for 2020, we got to do like Wayne Newton. 
Yeah, something like that. Or, uh, or oh, Celine Dion. Celine Dion. Yeah. I was just about to yeah. say that. Celine, or Blue Man Group or something like that. Yeah. Like, that'd be really, really uh, funny. Well, we should have yeah. variants. Yeah. We could talk about this more. But yeah. yeah. Oh, that would be fun to yeah. do, like, limit different yeah. versions. Well, we usually do a, a War Machine-themed uh, shirt right. also yeah. uh, that we throw in there. Um, really, they're, they're, the art's awesome. They're really fun. Mm -hmm. One of my favorites still is uh, the first year we did a space marine in a martini glass mm -hmm. because accidentally, if you look at it from a certain angle, the space marine's legs don't look like legs. I'm just going to leave that there. Really? For those of you who have that one. Um, I don't remember that. It, I'll have now I'll look after we get done with this. <laughs> yeah. it, the, it, it's funny because it's, oh. it's a space marine laying in a martini glass. Yeah. Like, yeah. And one, of his, yeah. one of his boots is off. Like he had a big night. Right. But then someone was like, hey, those don't look like legs. And I was like, oh. Yeah. It was while was, you were wearing it. Yeah. Did you notice this? We were all laughing. I was like, well. Oops. You know, hey, first, of the, first year. Yeah. Whatever. Learning as you Classic. go. Classic. I'm really excited about this year's art. It is. It's, it's yeah. really good. And of course, Las Vegas Open is the largest 40k singles event in the world and we also have some of the other largest events for various games uh, in the world as well yeah. really really fun it's a, just a, it's a great time uh, i've already gotten a ton of emails from people that are like it's my first time going to the lbo it's my first time going to a big organized play event yeah. uh, and they're uh, people are hyped so yeah. i'm really excited i'm excited to see how how uh, big it gets this year and we're also looking at doing a lot of other really cool stuff like uh we're going to have uh, Star Wars Legion. Mm -hmm. uh, we are expecting a big turnout for that. Yeah. Uh, we're really pushing for, for X-Wing mm -hmm. uh, this year. So Pablo's been diligently working with Fantasy Flight Games on getting that all si uh, mm -hmm. uh, set up. Yeah. Warlord Games, we had a, the biggest year we've ever yeah, had. Yeah, they just confirmed that they'll be out again, not only as exhibitors, but also running uh, several events for all of their lineup. Um, and that's been growing every year. Warlord's super pumped every year to come out now. Yeah. Uh, it looks like... Um, the one that's been really growing is Flames of War every year. Yep. Yeah. Like that's been growing rapidly without really any effort on our part. We just have a community that starts talking about it. That's what it takes. Which tends for historical games. I would consider Flames of War a historical yeah. game. Yeah. Um, that just takes the community because they're very like, very active within their own mm -hmm. like message boards and forums and all that kind of stuff. And and the word I guess has gotten out like, hey, come out, it's fun, come play Flames of War in Vegas. And, so yeah, we've come great. a long way because the first year we had like three people. Yeah. yeah then, <laughs> that was, that was, and, yeah. Yeah, was one very disgruntled. One very disgruntled third. older gentleman that was very vocal. <laughs> yeah. But uh, over the years now, it's like it fills up. Like a lot of these Yeah, we had events, like 20 last year, yeah, which yeah. is like it's great. the third year we did it. Yeah. Right? And we, we took a break for a while. Right? We, did. we were like never again. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I yelled at me. Yeah. I was like, all right. But uh, it's it's been growing and, and it's been great. Like Malifaux, we had mm -hmm. it was like triple uh, what we had the year before. Yeah, yeah Infinity. Infinity as well. Yeah. Infinity, that's blew. the big one. Oh, that's yeah. the big one. Yeah, and that's just a, a very diligent tournament organizer who is like extremely um, yeah. active. Yeah. Well, Joel is uh, one of the main organizers. He's also one of our really good friends. We're actually going to go out to dinner with him tonight. Mm -hmm. They're in town. Yeah, and uh, he's big time in the the Infinity community. Uh, really, really active organizer, and uh, all the guys that are involved, the guys and gals involved with it at the Las Vegas Open are just passionate about it, and every year it's gotten so much bigger and better, yeah. and of course the terrain is always just amazing, yep. Yep. absolutely amazing. I'm really excited to see the 40K narrative, because we had 100 people in it last year, and it was like, I, I would go over there and check on how everybody was doing, of course, but just to check it out, mm -hmm. and it was like, amazing it's a three-day 
linked narrative campaign where the events of the day before influence the next day they have um, uh, the cities of death tiles set up and then like everyone's like uh, armies are moving around really cool event and those guys are working with us at the SoCal Open to do an event and they're coming with us back again to the Las Vegas Open it's only going to be better right because of all the experience that they got yeah, yeah. The narrative is always amazing, and the guys that ran it this last year did a really good job. So I'm excited to see what they do in 2019. Me too. And of course, name dropping a little bit, a little bit of bragging, but I, I think it's okay. Uh, a ton of uh, of people in the video game industry, like big time mm-hmm. people in the video game industry, come out and play in the narrative, and they have a blast. Yeah. Like a big chunk of the Blizzard creative team. Yeah. Came out uh, to play. Yeah. And so it's really. Well, I inadvertently had dinner with them one night yeah. because I, I was I was in the hall late and they, it was late. It was like midnight maybe, and yeah. uh, I ended up going to dinner with a group of people. And uh, you know, we went to that Chinese restaurant there in Paris. And uh, I was like, "Oh, what do you guys do? Oh, we work for Blizzard." It was like the actual like creative lead um, yeah. of yeah. Hearthstone, and uh, and then the guy who like runs the basically, um, or he works in their IT department or something like that. And I was like, "Oh my god." Like, and they're like, nah, no big deal. Yeah, well, I mean, they're... <laughs> He's like, they're, have you heard of I'm like, no. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's one of the biggest games in the world. I know, yeah. And it's, I mean, they're nerds just like us, you know? And, like, it was just the, the whole incident at the LVO last year where one of the, you know, founders of League of Legends yeah. reaches out and is, like, watching the stream. And you're like, this is too crazy. Like, but it totally makes sense, right? Of course we all, like, yeah. replay video it games. It crosses still. over. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, we yeah. were all just talking about video games this morning that we've been playing and... It, it totally makes sense, right? Like we're right. all we're all gamers, so you know, come out to the event and you get to to rub elbows with these people and hang out in a casual setting and just have yeah. a good time. Plus, so, all the yeah. the content creators in our in our industry in the in the yeah. in the tabletop gaming industry, you know, Adam from uh, Tabletop Minions, the the mini wargaming crew always comes out in a big way. You know, Carl Tuttle usually comes out from independent characters you know it's a lot of a lot of guys ed and and um blake they do a yeah. great job they always come out in a big way yeah. yeah so you All never the, know who you're gonna run into when you're there f- funny uh on the independent characters um justin on our uh youtube comments mm-hmm. he was like the only people that use power level are kids and the independent characters <laughs> <laughs> and he's on there right he is, yeah, yeah, Keeper, yeah. He's, yeah. he's i love he's such a good guy he's also that. a competitive player too he he's like he used to be he's like he's like me in that he straddles both like he right. he's an amazing painter a really good guy but he plays to win mm-hmm. but yeah. he does so always conscientious of trying to be a gentleman that's more yeah. him than me yes. on that one but uh the other part of it trying yeah, i was to like it, what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> but making a themed army and like white liking it to look nice that's like i feel like that we we share that yeah. He's also a really skilled sculptor. Yeah, yeah, he really is. He's he, he actually considered being a miniature sculptor for a long time. He was at uh, like our first tournament that we ever ran, BAL. He went to most of our yeah, events. Yeah, great dude. Their their whole the whole crew yeah. uh, independent characters are they're great people and they're yep. really they really represent the hobby in a very good way. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, so check them out if you want to listen to a hobby oriented podcast. Yeah. So anyway, obviously a ton to talk about with the Las Vegas Open, but we'll move on. Suffice it to say, we are very excited. Can't wait. Please uh, be prepared so that you can grab a ticket early and not risk missing out for LVO 2019, guaranteed to be the biggest and the best LVO yet, which Boom. I cannot wait. I really can't wait to see what we do because uh, I guess we're not quite moving on just yet. The, uh, the, the coverage of the event has gotten so much better 
every year, like so much more professional. Yeah. And so many more people are paying attention to it. I'm really pumped to see what we can what we can do this year, like in 2019, to up the ante and make it even more exciting uh, to watch. Yeah. Uh, I think chess clocks is going to make it from a from a viewing perspective. I think it's going to make it even more exciting. Yeah, I think the the chess clocks are going to add in a lot of suspense, so that'll be exciting. Yeah, because we could put the the timer up on the screen, and uh, people can 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 you know, oh, what are they, what's he going to do? What's uh, uh, you know, Matt Root or whoever the case may be? What are they going to do now that they've only got you know 15 minutes left, but they got to get through two turns? Yeah. Oh, this is getting exciting instead of like oh, the game just kind of ends on a whimper on turn four with no one finishing the game, which is so not exciting. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Las Vegas Open 2019, excited. And other exciting news, Warhammer, or Games Workshop, has released some older models available for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they do this frequently, yeah. and at this uh, kind of on the bullpen, or in the bullpen for this go-around are Dark Elves. Yeah. Some really, really cool models. There's Malekith. Awesome. Uh, or not, not, what's his name? That's the guy from no. the books. No, this is just, there was a captain on a, um, on a cold one. I thought that was the guy. Uh, he might have had a name. Malice Darkblade or something. He's from the, yeah. the books. But the model is, always, is amazing. Yeah. yeah. Like it's that, those awesome. old, um, uh, every time, like Pablo has a big uh, unit, a big uh, army of um, the, the cold one riders. And every time I look at it, I just, it's just the cold ones. They're such a cool model, yeah. Are amazing, you know. Um, I actually like the old ones, too. If you remember the old ones, they had, were kind of more of like a boxy, like they had yeah. a big, like kind of like, alligator look i like those two but the newer ones no the new ones look real the old ones looked like fake dinosaurs yeah yeah. Uh, and then there's some of the uh i don't know what they call them now i think they're just uh they're like dread lords Mm -hmm. uh dark elf dread lords um lokir the octopus face man i can't remember what is uh he was like a pirate his name was like lorkir or something like that he was like a pirate king Uh, he should be with the um the deepkin though yeah, Mariana accidentally put him on the uh, banner for, for the deep game. Well, he looks like he should. He should. He yeah, looks like yes. he would. I'm going to give her a near miss on that one okay. because he looks like he would fit in, but he's actually not on yeah. the deep game. Yeah. I would use that as like a character in the deep game. He totally yeah. could. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Ooh. So check those out because these are limited. Uh, these are only available for a limited period of time if you want to grab yeah. one of yeah. these uh, throwback models. And they so. still have, do these guys still have War Scrolls? They do. Uh, mm-hmm. they, do they all do. Yeah. yeah. Nice. And of course, uh, Deepkin, the actual Deepkin, we're getting the last uh, model kits coming up as the pre-order for this coming weekend. Mm-hmm. And these are the ones I'm, I'm actually really excited about personally. The sharks. The, yeah, they're, they're, it's the they're the knights of the Deepkin, the the Achillean. The actual elves. Yeah. 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 They're, so these are like the thralls, the guys with no eyes, like they're kind of the throwaway units. They don't really have a soul. They're like really weak. They have to feed on other people's souls to survive. Yeah. It's very similar to Elric from the um, uh, Michael Moorcox books. I, I'm forgetting the name. Uh, El, Elric of Melnabone. Mm-hmm. Which I think they just called them El, the Elric novels, right? Like they they didn't have. Do they have an actual title? Yeah, it was Stormbringer, the White Wolf. Well, I know, but it was still called Elric. Like it was yeah. still. I can't remember what the series was called now. That I, I love them. I talk about them all the time. Right. But uh, they're really similar, right? Like they're, he would have yeah. to feed on other people's souls to sustain himself, yeah. even if he didn't really want to do it. Um, it's a really similar kind of a theme. Mm-hmm. But the Achelians are like the full, like they were born normal, uh, they have a long lifespan, and they're like the royalty, the nobility of the Deacon. The, uh, the uh, Alopex is the shark with two people on it. I think it's a solid model looking, reading the War Scroll. Kind of like a Venom. Like a, yeah, it is kind of like a Venom, yeah. 
I know they're very, very yeah, similar to, yeah. to, to Eldar. Yeah. And then the ones that I think are, are, are the best tactically are the uh, Morsar Guard. They ride the eels. So there's one unit that's very defensive. There's one unit that's very offensive. The, def the defensive unit basically has what would be an invulnerable save in 40k. And the turn they charge, they get plus one. So they go to a three plus plus. Mm. That's really useful because you can charge yeah. into a, a tough unit and just uh, tie them up. Yeah. And then the other one has uh, a more powerful offensive attack, and they do uh, mortal wounds when they charge. So uh, I think those units can be really, really useful, and they're relatively affordable too. Yep, it's like 110 or 120 points for three. So plus they uh, look awesome. They, yeah. Oh yeah, they, they do. They're freaking yeah. cool. It's like a Spartan elf riding a yeah. sea eel, mm -hmm. which it looks Sweet. cooler than it sounds. <laughs> Sold it. Uh, and then of course we got some hobbits. No, these are the best ah. models. <laughs> Those dogs look really vicious. What is the like, ah. bottom dog doing? He's like, getting aggressive. He's doing a the other mad like, cat. The other one's like playing. Right it's like, yeah. Well, you know like dogs like do this when they're getting mad? They bristle? Is, this I is think that's what he's is, supposed to. I think that's what they were going for. I don't know. What, what, how about the attack puppy? Doesn't it? Yeah. It, it feels like they like are just like giving up on these models and just doing it because they like have to or something. Or maybe right? maybe like the journeyman sculptors. They're like, here. Do yeah. they? I mean, do, do they, they have to keep releasing stuff? For, I don't know. I they, don't, they might have to because of the contract. To, I mean, people buy it. No, you I know. Hmm, oh, and then we got, some, <laughs> <laughs> we got some hobbits with peaky blinders here. Yeah, they are peaky. No, it's like the. It's like the. Not the Peaky Blinders. It's oh, like oh, um, it's the the gypsies. Exactly. Yeah, yeah but in the so Hobbit, cool. in the if you were like the the Hobbit movie universe, these guys would like knock out a full grown orc in battle armor oh, yeah, with that stick. Oh, they'd yeah. just be like bang, well, they they'd kill, hit it and it would die. Oh, I killed two hundred yeah. goblin mercenaries by themselves. Yes, yeah. with sticks it wouldn't, it wouldn't and in awesome hands. Yeah. yeah, no problem. The goblins should not even try. They'd be like, no. damn, that's four well dressed hobbits with two by fours. How embarrassing for them! Like a troll got killed by like an old lady with like a broom. Frying pan. Yeah. I mean, the Hobbit movies were garbage it was, I, it really, was really bad. bad like the only part that was cool was the battle with all the the dwarves and the elves when they were about to fight like yeah. it was kind of cool the lead up was kind of cool the but the cgi all... was really bad and then oh was it I, I don't know and then like people forget that like there actually wasn't a big battle like in the battle in the book all the armies square off and bilbo's like here we go and then this orc like throws a rock and it hits him in the head <laughs> and he, he gets, gets knocked, knocked out, out. Yeah. and then he when he comes to the battle's over yeah yeah but like, that would be really stupid in a book. Really that would have been good. <laughs> the screen just goes to Big black. He wakes up and the yeah. doors are like, oh, we made it. No, the movies were, were god-awful, but there was a couple scenes that were good. Like the elf riding the battle elk. That was pretty sad. <laughs> that was cool. That was cool. There was awesome. cool elements to it. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a lot of just... Just, really stupid stuff. The, the scenes with Legolas writing. are pretty good. The scenes but, that were yeah, why he wasn't even in the book. No, no, I think Legolas movie. is in the Hobbit, but he's mentioned uh -huh. as a one liner. He's not. He's and not then not also man. the the female elf that now that because they have to have a love interest, of course. Of course. And, and they had it, so she's like, ooh, the tallest dwarf I fall in love with. <laughs> she was not even a character. Um, <laughs> but in the Lord of the Rings, what's her name? Wasn't even a character. Um, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. So, but the movie, but they have to have love interest to make a movie, of course. They don't have to. They just think they do. The 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 Lord of the Rings movies were spectacular the yeah. hobbit was hot yeah yeah i didn't care about the added characters for that and yeah whatever you put a love story in but yeah. the hobbit it was just forced it was not it was good. just bad yeah. yeah but uh here's some fierce <laughs> gypsy hobbits with uh big sticks probably the most powerful unit in the game they have some feathers mm. They do. Those, those are, they're like pimp hobbits i like True. how big the base is yeah these are these are like a gang <laughs> from like the you know the the 18 you know 60s or 70s yeah. in london for sure like, yeah that's what they do look like the guys from peaky blinders like uh yeah. abraham of gold or whatever mm -hmm. Abraham yeah. of gold. well that would be the early 1900s but still yeah, yeah they look they definitely look like it yeah 
They're well dressed. They're, they're dapper. So if you're a Hobbit fan, go and pick those up from ForgeWorld.com. There you go. Or if you like puppies. Yeah. Mm, battle puppies. That's kind of mean. That's like, what? Who is the football player? What? The football Michael player that Vick? did dog fighting. Oh. Hey, he's been forgiven because he's oh. really good at playing football. That's Michael Vick, the Hobbit. Yeah. Or Reggie Bush. They're, uh, <laughs> you know what? In their defense, they're really good at playing football. So yeah, you know, they get a pass. Get a pass. Get Society them. gives them a pass. I don't think they get a pass. Upcoming ITC events. Go from dogfighting to ITC events. There you go. Yeah. Upcoming ITC events. We have quite a few this weekend, per usual. So make sure to go jump on the calendar, see what's going on. Go participate, be a, be a part of the community, and get your ITC points. Check it out. We have a lot of events coming up this weekend. And your current top five across our various new tracking systems. Uh, 40K ITC, top five. Josh Death still leading the pack with a big lead. Matt Root, what is going on? Are you just not going to events? Matt Root just became a doctor, so let's uh, give him a pass. Yeah. He also only has four events. What's more important? <laughs> Good, point. Good point. Josh Death made it clear he is playing 40K. The only thing Matt has to do is attend another event and he'll go in the first place yeah. right just go yeah he Forfeit. can lose every game and he'll go in the first just place. just go there and be like i'm matt root i am signing up for this event that's actually I not quit. true he can't he needs, he needs to, to like get middle of the pack well, yeah. yeah okay bruce merker is in third andrew ford in fourth and jessica bowman has jumped in jessica bowman fifth. boom kicking butt yeah. she was waiting she wanted a big shout out too so yeah. just make sure she jessica did. plays necrons too she yeah, yeah. she's she's bombed because the codex is really good and there's a lot more competition now, but she's clearly going to be leading the pack. Yeah. And I did, did want to mention that Jeff the Loser Robinson Ooh. has oh, dropped into ninth place, hanging into the top ten by his fingernails. Just, yeah. It's shameful. One we'll day. see how he does. He's going to be at the GT next week yeah, in London. It's kind of so. like how he used to do in StarCraft, you know? Yeah. Solid mediocre. Yeah. yeah. Right now, he's definitely like... He's number nine out of four. He's four, definitely like maybe 4, like second yeah. call commentator. <laughs> Yeah, you know, you don't call matter. us, we'll call you. Yeah, somebody unless canceled. Unless you get back in the top five. So, he's definitely a canceled call. <laughs> yeah, it could be, in 40K. He's a pitcher. He gets in there when uh, we don't have anything else. Uh, and then uh, Mitch, uh, oh, where'd all my hellhounds we, go? We went all the way down. Yeah. Tell him. Is in 10th, which uh, Mitch just started writing for us too. So, it's, it's exciting to get some more good content. Yeah. Uh, 40K ITC Hobby Track. We have Sean Prosser in first place, followed by Chris Boss. Anthony Bellum in third, Antonio Sedeno in fourth, and Nick Barden in fifth. Also, if you're unclear on how to use the hobby track, please just write in to uh, Frankie at FrontlineGaming.org or click on the, um, These lists. the FAQ. And the, I've had a lot of TOs reaching out just, just like, how do I do it? How do yeah. I participate? So it's going to take a couple months for it to become uh, common knowledge on how to make it work. But basically, you get a token for the hobby track in addition to the competitive track or you can do one or the other it's up to you mm -hmm. so basically you're going to be submitting uh possibly two results for yep. your event so just be aware of that it's not automatic um, you need to do you need to go through the process for that uh, it's, it's really easy once you know how to do it yeah am i the only one that's triggered by the names on these like with like yes. Yes. like several names where like one letter is not capitalized both are not they write their own names right? yeah. Oof. I don't know. Oh, I don't think I can move on. <laughs> I have to go and capitalize those names. <laughs> Age of Sigma, our current top five. James Thomas has jumped into first oh. place. You ball mouse. I just, <laughs> my fingers are stronger than I thought. Matthew Jones has moved into second. Jared Zazueta has dropped down into third. 
Joe Cryer in the fourth, nice. and Josh Harvey moves into fifth place. Well done. A lot of familiar names there. Yeah. Yep. But we're seeing a lot more names too, right? Because yep. it's more and more people are getting involved. Also, uh, I will be doing a, an interview with uh, Mr. Chuck Moore. He's one of the main community organizers and leaders for the Age of Sigmar uh, North America community. And we're taking the, the player pack, incorporating it into the ITC. Nice. And uh, it's going to help to bring everybody together. Because a ton of people wrote help write that right. pack. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's really good. It tells you how to start from like getting a league like a local like hobby community all the way up to running a national size event if you right. uh, aspire to do that so yeah uh, and the game I, has only been out for what now two years a little over two years yeah about three years maybe the first most, year yeah. was kind of like i don't really count it so much because there's a lot going it wasn't on really yeah. a game people didn't really understand it yeah, <laughs> yeah. including us to yeah. be fair <laughs> uh, and now it's it's really gaining some steam it, it, it slowed down when eighth edition came out but now we're seeing it, it growing right. again yeah because uh, some of the events like you know, Adepticon had 160 people. Mm-hmm. Um, and the events in the UK, they sell out in, like instantaneously. Yeah. Uh, and the LVO, uh, Age of Sigmar uh, event is triple digits also. So it's continuing to grow. Um, it's a great game. It's fun. Yeah. Yep. We are seeing more and more events popping up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think a lot of these new releases are really helping. Like, they're really kind of catching people's eyes, especially the new Deep game that came out, Daughters of Cain. The last few releases have been just home runs. Yeah, yeah they really yeah. have. I can't. I, I can't wait to see what they do with just the regular humans, right? Like, I mean, yeah, it'll, it'll really. probably mean my entire free people's army is no longer. They're all like antiquated models, but I'm okay right. with that. Well, I yeah. mean, I or they might just continue with them because, like, they they did have a story of what's going on, like why where they're from, you know, yeah. and and how they all kind of adopted the the the, the look of how they did from the, the old times, you know, kind of like as a communal psyche, like, oh, yeah, we remember wearing feathers in our hats and they would do that. So. Yeah, because I don't think they're going to, like, update everybody. No. Well, I mean, who knows? It's, it's still really new. They've feature. only started yeah. doing the elves. The dwarves have not really been touched upon. They did new factions of dwarves, like the fire slayers, the yeah. overlords, but they haven't really touched on the classic, quote-unquote. They haven't touched dwarf. on the classic, like, uh, elves either, right? right. They've mm-hmm. just brought out new kids. So. Yeah. They've only done Daughters of Cain and then the Deepkin obviously are totally new. Yeah. So, but the thing is like, I, on the one hand, I was like, man, if my entire free people's army is like no longer, like the models are all old, mm-hmm. I'm like, whatever, it's not a big deal because I'm excited to see how cool they'll make them look because mm-hmm. the free people's models look pretty stupid. I'm not going to lie. Like, mm-hmm. like, they're funny looking with their tights. I think they're okay. Like I, actually, I think they're okay, to be honest. Some of them are cool. Like the great swords look badass. The, mm-hmm. I just think the swordsmen, the guys with no the sword and shields are cool. Yeah. You know? They're okay. Like the the um, the Demi Griff Riders are amazing. Unfortunately, um, they got the cavalry rules. Yeah. The carryover cavalry uh, rules. Oh. And like Reichsguard Knights. Imagine if you had a whole army yeah. of like Reichsguard Knights, how oh, awesome it would look. But yeah. then you look at the rules, you're like, oh, you have two attacks and you get a plus one strength when you charge. Yeah. yeah. The cavalry are underwhelming yeah. in the game yeah. right now. I really the miss horses uh, do way more damage. Yeah, the Bretonians would have been amazing. So Imagine Bretonians in skirmish on bases. Yeah, in the in so the cool. in the, uh, God, the awesome. lance formation. Yeah. Now you can still use them, right? Like there's. Not, yeah, no, I they, think they, they still got, have rules, but is it like Tomb Kings? They're just they're like Tomb Kings. Yeah. Forget about them. Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, and then the, uh, the AOS ITC Hobby Track Top 5, Frank Deloach continues to lead, followed by Scott Reed, yep. Josh Greenfield in third, Chris Stifter in fourth, and Tyler Hamill in fifth. Nice. We have a, a top he's... four up there with a one score. Yeah, there's Chris still a Stifter. lot of it's, – it's still getting right. – it's going to take time yeah. for the Hobby Track to, to become like – for people to even know what it is, right. to know how to use it, and then to be aware. You know what I mean? It's going to take a little bit of time, yeah. but once it catches on, it's going to be awesome. Right. And we know we're getting there. 
It's just it's one foot in front of the other. Uh, you can't expect the a new uh, a new idea to to drop with as much influence as the 40k ITC, which we've been working on for like six years now. Yeah. Right, busting our butt building it, and now it's it's very prevalent, and pretty much people all around the world know what it is. That takes time to get there. Yep. That's all it is. Uh, and then of course Shadespire. Um, no movement. We're waiting for some more events to come in, which I'm sure that they will. But for the meantime, enjoy your notoriety. For those of you at the top, we have Andrew Everhart still leading the pack, Mike Course in second, Matt Everhart in third, David Escobar in fourth, and Josue Ibarra in fifth. Awesome. Is it Josue or is it Hosu? You asked the same question last week. Or is it Joe Sui? Joe Sui? Joe Sui? Joe Sui sounds like it could be correct. <laughs> Pretty sure it's Josue. Or yeah. Joe Su. I think Joe Su. I'm going to go with that. Okay. No. Joe Sue. You do you. Bobby Sue. All right. Death Watch. Topic of the, of the day. Uh, very exciting codex. This has got a lot to love in it. Uh, as always, there's been a mixed reaction on the internet. I think most people are happy. Mm-hmm. Some people don't understand, I don't know, some aspects of it. They think that they, the points might be too high or whatever on some units. But uh, we wanted to talk about it because now we can completely talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a really... Really good codex in all of our opinions. It's very strong. Has a lot of, of really cool stuff you can do with it. And for me, in my opinion, I think you're going to play it the same way you do any other Imperial Elite Army. And that is going to be, in a competitive sense, you're probably going to pair it with Ashmolotam mm-hmm. and take like maybe one or two very minimal battalions of Ashmolotam to get you command points because like all the other Elite Armies, they really, really want lots of command points. And then you're going to be playing the majority of your points in Death Watch. But it won't be that many units because they are, uh, they're an elite or force. They're, they're a relatively low model count. However, what you get is badass. They're really, really good. They're really unique. They have a cool play style. They have rules nobody else has. And I think the magic is, in this codex, is special issue ammunition. Mm-hmm. And that is why that justifies them being more expensive than anybody else for obvious reasons. Yeah, I think they're, they're very similar to like the way Grey Knights play. Grey Knights are a great ally to mm-hmm. other Imperium armies. Yeah. They have a lot of cool rules. They hit really hard. Yeah. I think Death Watch is going to be pretty much the same thing. Yeah. And again, that, that is in a competitive sense. Like yeah, if, you, if you play at your game store, you play with your friends, uh, or if you have a big group of friends that just like to play you know, on Saturday nights, whatever, have some beer, um, you can definitely do a nice full army of Death Watch, like they have so much added to the codex. You know, in the past it was pretty, pretty limited, right? You had your your uh, kill teams, you had a couple characters that you can throw in, you had some Corvus Black Stars, but that was it. Um, you know, this is just full of new units. Obviously, all the Primaris Marines, the vehicles that go along with the Primaris Marines. Um, yeah, so I think either way, if you're just looking to build a whole Death Watch army, you could. Yeah, and I even think it would be kind of competitive if you did too. I absolutely think it's going to be competitive. Uh, if you play pure Death Watch again, you're gonna be playing on hard mode, harder mode, because they they don't even have like scouts or yeah. anything like normal Space Marines do to kind of pad the army. I think if you really really want to try and go to a tournament and win mm-hmm. uh, the tournament, then you're gonna want to take some allies, and that's true of any elite army yeah. across any any book. Mm-hmm. Um, however, if you're just trying to be the best Death Watch player, for example, like you want to play to try and get like best in ITC, best in region. Death Watch, you can go all Death Watch because you don't have to win the tournament. You just have to do better than the other Death Watch players. Right. And you could definitely compete. 
Um, Anthony Diamore, it's the worst thing that's ever happened to him. He is stoked and bummed. He was here the other last week. Yeah. Because um, he was one of the few people that was very serious yeah. in playing him. And he's going to have a lot of competition now, yeah. yep. I think. Uh, and very similar to the way like Jeff uh, in control places Adeptus Custodes, where it's like 1,600 points of Custodes, but it's only like 10 models. Yeah. yeah. And then he's got, you know, uh, one battalion of Ash Militarum just to get the command points. Right. I think that's the way you're going to play these guys because mm -hmm. they're really, really hungry for command points. Yeah. The stratagems are the – it's the secret – special issue ammunition is the number one. Their command um, tactics or the mission tactics and stratagems. That's like the secret sauce yeah. to make these guys work. Uh, and in a very exciting – since uh, Primaris Marines become extremely good. Yep, yep. Um, these guys. A lot of things do. Terminators become really strong. A lot of units that you're not seeing on the tables now become extremely good in this book. Mm -hmm. It's great. The, and mix, that, the mix Primaris is really exciting. Yeah. I think the mix units are like, well, well, let's go. I don't want you to knock these out one at a time. So first of all, um, my suggestion, if you want to play these guys competitively, go to a tournament and uh, put your best foot forward. You want to take probably one, maybe even two battalions of Astra Militarum to generate command points. Yep. Uh, like we were talking about off camera, if you play, you, there's lots of different ways to do it. You can do Cadian with some mortars to sit back and shoot. Mm -hmm. They self buff. It's primo, it's really good. Yep. You can go with uh, Katachan. Take um, the, the 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 brilliant thing about Katachan is that even if you take the infantry units with literally no upgrades at all, just bare bones, 40 points, 10 dudes, and you take Strachan as one of your characters. He's very reasonably priced. Um, taking like a commissar lord mm -hmm. uh, that combo right there now they all have two strength four attacks you have 30 bodies to take up space mm -hmm. a really high leadership you don't have to worry about morale so much yep. uh, they can fight twice in the combat phase with fixed bayonets uh, really really strong mm -hmm. you're getting a lot of it's not just throwing like nothing yeah, yeah. Like no points you throw a priest in there for how what are they, like 30 points 35 like, points yeah that also buffs that and all of a sudden you have not only a big screen that you can use, but you have something that can move up the field and actually do damage. And beat the shit out and, of And stuff. hold something yeah. up for, like, for a game if you need to, yeah. you know. In my, in my Asher Militarum Army, my Katachan Infantry oftentimes end up being the All-Stars because with, with Katachan, you play aggressively, you go up, yeah. you shoot well, mm -hmm. and then you punch better. Yeah, like they're actually people don't really expect good. it. They're like, yeah. why are you running those those infantry squads at me? You're like, just wait. Because I'm from Catachan, son. You're like, oh, like, like, combine, so combine, combine, boom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's really. It catches people off. They're like, oh, you're going to sit back and, and just bubble wrap your, your tanks or whatnot. And then you start moving towards them aggressively. They're like, whoa. It's, but, it's yeah. really good. Or you could do Cadian, keep back. Cadian's um, better at shooting, yeah. You could do Talarn. You could throw in like a plasma gun, plasma pistol, have them running gun. There's a lot of options. Yep. Um, and then that, I think, is going to be kind of like just assume that that's the way you're going to do because they need tons of command points and it's really hard for them to get it otherwise. So then moving on to the Death Watch portion of, of the army. Um, and again, you don't have to use allies because I know people are going to start yeah, complaining. No, you don't. But uh, you don't have to, but that's our advice. Uh, there's a lot of ways to do it. For me, I would start off with a battalion, take probably three units of uh, intercessors mm -hmm. because with the special issue ammo, they become extremely good. Yeah. But the regular veterans are also really, really good, right? Mm -hmm. Like they need more support, I think, to make them work because intercessors are relatively cheap. You take three units of five, you got your troops covered, they can sit in the back, shoot, mm -hmm. really good. Uh, if you want to take some of the veterans, you can go like four frag cannons. Yep. Do all kinds of crazy stuff. Put them in a black star, put them in a, a, a some sort of a transport of your choice. Yeah, you're saying rhinos, throw them in rhinos. Or yeah. whatever you yeah. want, right? Like they're really, really strong. Um, frag cannons are brutal, or they could take the heavy bolter, heavy flamer combos. Like mm -hmm. 
they're, they serve a different role, right? Like the, the intercessors don't really need support. The veterans, I think you do want to support them. Yeah. To get the most, to get the most out of them. But um, you can build it lots of different ways. And one of the fun things which you mentioned is in a unit, you can add in like a Terminator or yeah. a biker mm-hmm. or um, uh, an, an Inceptor. Or yeah. And just a single, a single one of them. Mm-hmm. And, and then yep. that one single model unlocks so many benefits to the, to the unit as a whole. It's crazy. Like we were just looking at it because like I think everyone's focused on Primaris because it's amazing and they're multi-wound models. You know, you throw an aggressor in there. Um, what I was actually impressed with was uh, the community site. They went through different builds for Primaris units, depending on what you wanted to do. And, um, you know, they were talking about how, like, you can you know, always start with your, your um, intercessors, right? Just yeah. because those are your basic guys. You can even throw in just one aggressor with, like, twin uh, Flamestorm Gauntlet. And all of a sudden, boom, like, you have anti-charge defense. You know, like, yeah. plus that combined with stratagems against certain Xenos factions. Like, a, the one thing they mentioned, but that was just, like really stuck out for me, is like they have a, a an orc one. I think it's two command points. It's where so like strong. for every wound that you do with Overwatch, yeah. it subtracts a, a inch yeah. from their charge. Yeah. So if you have a, a unit, which my favorite build was, uh, I think it was like six Primaris intercessors, two aggressors, a reaver to give them the fear tactics, uh, and then uh, one uh, inceptor, so they can like fall back and still shoot. Um, and then as two aggressors with flamestorm cannons, imagine an orc mob. Right, you're you, gonna you do four you, or five wounds to him. You can't even charge. You yeah. can't yeah, charge him. Exactly. It, it makes it so it's not possible to charge him. So now, powerful. For orc players out there, I'm one of you that you're like, what the? Yeah. I, I know it sounds brutal. But but he also shooting. Just, just remember, like only one unit can do it. Yep. yep. And you can do all kinds of tricks, right? Charge the unit next to the big shooting unit and yep. then pile into them. Yep. No, you can't hit them, but you can tie them up in combat, wrap one of their guys up mm-hmm. so that you can't escape. They can't fall back. Uh, so even when you do put in uh, a unit with a fly keyword, mm-hmm. which allows them to leave combat and still shoot, which is crazy strong, yeah. or a biker, which yeah. allows them to leave combat and still charge, which yeah. is crazy strong, yeah. there's tricks that you can do to stop this from occurring. Right. Right? It's not a given. Yeah. Or also just shoot you know, all 60 of your your, sh- at your shots at them and kill a lot of them. You know, it's, you're, I, people forget that orcs can shoot. They shoot quite well, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, they have a lot of really flexible flexibility in there. So I think the key is to not go too crazy. Mm-hmm. Like you can't have every unit have one of every model in it. That gets a little bit uh, right. crazy. Yeah. But you could have one big unit that you focus a lot of your attention and resources on and do that. And then if you put a Terminator in there um, and you have a teleport homer once per game, they get an emergency teleport, right. which is extremely good. Yeah, it's it's really powerful. Like you guys are talking about, I think you take like one big unit, and that's kind of like yeah. your your like uh, you focus on your it. screen, mm-hmm. and you have them in the front. Mm-hmm. They can teleport out. They can do all sorts of cool tricks, and then the rest of your units are just dedicated to doing certain things. Yeah, so. the, I like the Primaris. The, the idea of taking you know you start with three five man uh, Primaris intercessor squads because those yeah. guys you put them in a piece of cover with a, like an objective. Yeah, that's an amazing ten wound model unit that's sitting there with the special issue ammunition gives them extra range to shoot. Yeah, yeah, the special issue ammunition is ridiculously powerful. Um, I think people are kind of glossing over it, mm-hmm. but that's like the secret sauce. Like you get to choose what you want to do and do all sorts of things. It's so powerful. The yeah. extra range, extra AP. Um, I think what's another one you got? Yeah, there? we'll go over them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, like, it's funny because online, like I'm seeing people going like, I have to pay all these extra points just for this. And I'm like, you clearly have never tried it. Yeah. Like, I think I'm one of the few people that actually use Sternguard in my Space Marine army, and every single game, they're amazing. And all they get is extra, a little bit of extra range and their AP2 bolters. 
they annihilate. I kill like vehicles and stuff all the time with yeah. them because then they get the stratagem. It's plus one to wound, which um, the Death Watch get uh, plus one to wound stratagem for any unit in their army, not just you know Stern Guard uh, for the Space Marines against a certain type of unit like troops or elites, etc. Yeah. So you get Veterans of the Long War for these units that have crazy strong shooting. Uh, it is, it's 2 CP, it's expensive, which is another reason why you want lots of CP in your army. Yep. But it's really, really, really strong. Right? Like, imagine a unit of five Terminators. Mm-hmm. They can take three heavy weapons. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, this is an expensive unit. You would probably only take one of these, but right. it's, we call it the DPS, the, mm-hmm. the Dick Punch Supreme. Come down five with Storm Bolters and Cyclone, Cyclone Missile Launcher. <laughs> and the unit, that when you, when you drop down... You could be hitting them with all AP2 uh, right. bolters. So there's, go there's, AP, there's storm bolters get yeah, the special issue ammo? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's the vengeance round. They lose range, but they also they gain the... Um, so it wouldn't be when they deep strike because they lose... No, you, you could go AP1 bolters yeah. on that. Yeah. Um, or the going up to AP2, you subtract uh, three inches yeah. um, from the range of the weapon. Or six inches, I'm sorry. So then you wouldn't be able to do it from the deep strike. No. But uh, in, a, in a different circumstance, right? Like you could. They could still do two shots, but not four. Um, you could do two shots, not four, or you could go AP one with four shots and then uh, three cyclone missile launchers, which is two missiles each, six six missile shots. Dude, or you come down and like you know the the hellfire rounds. Moon on a two is right. crazy. Like good. you're shooting, you have five terminators. How many how many shots? Twenty is that? shots. Twenty storm bolt shots. You have three of your uh, missile launchers on there, like that's going to do some damage. Well, then, and so then, I mean, it's a lot of points, but... But that's just step one, right? Yeah. Step two is the fact that they can reroll ones to wound. The whole army gets reroll ones to wound against yep. one force sword slot. And uh, you get plus one to wound. So now you're going to be hitting on threes, probably rerolling everything because you have a death watch, uh, uh, watch master. Mm-hmm. Wounding on twos, rerolling ones. You have almost a perfect conversion of shots to damage. It's crazy good, right? Like a good example of something that this would be really effective on uh, is uh, plague drones. They're really, really, they're underpriced. They're extremely strong. Um, They don't give a shit how much AP you have, but they do care if you're wounding them on twos. Mm -hmm. And if you put, you know, a million wounds on them, you're going to just gut them. And then, of course, then if you can get into combat with the Terminators too, Terminators are actually good in combat, especially against plague drones who have no AP. (laughs) On their attacks, they're like power fist, pa. Yeah. No, it's an expensive unit. Yes. Uh, it definitely is an expensive unit. And they need the, the character. Yep. To give them. But you have to take one. They you don't want to take a watch Do they have the ability to take a character in Terminator armor? Um, I think you can take you watch can take captains. Uh, the watch master or, yeah, is on jump, foot. Jump pack would be fun, yeah. I guess. But uh, watch captains. Oh, here, can yeah, be yeah watch captain in Terminator yeah. armor. So if yeah. you wanted to, or like Frankie said, put them in jump pack yeah. for a little bit cheaper. Mm-hmm. Does the same exact thing. I would have one unit like that, but man, that would be a brutal unit. It's yeah, it is savage. But it, it works on like all their guys. So you just take their normal veterans. They get the yep. special issue ammunition. Throw them into rhinos. Drive up the table. Yep. You're going to be doing so much damage to these units that you see and shoot. Like mm-hmm. it's it's great. Well, and you have the the teleportarium stratagem, which for each CP spent up to three, you can deep strike a Death Watch infantry unit or a Death Watch dreadnought. Yeah. So that's like. You could take 10 intercessors in a unit, drop down, their gun's already AP1, now it's going up to AP2 with the strat or wounding on two, whatever. Yep. And you do all the same baloney we just t- talked about 
for them, and you have 40, or I'm sorry, 20 shots also um, just doing crazy damage mm-hmm. yeah. uh, to somebody. And that's exactly how I use my stern guard, is uh, I would drop them down. And then, um, plus the, the Space Marines have the um, Storm of Fire Warlord trait, so that uh, quite a few of my shots are actually AP3. It's like a, a plasma gun. Yeah, but they can just go AP3 if they want with their special issue ammunition. So uh, they would go the to, they could go up to AP3, yeah. but it would be out of range to double. Not tap. when they deep strike. Yeah. So it's it's really really strong, right? Like, uh, or you could take the heavy the heavy weapon intercessors mm-hmm. and make them uh, AP3 because they have 36 inch range. Hell blasters. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And let's not forget about frag cannons. Frag cannons. Frag cannons are <laughs> so strong. Super good. And then uh cool thing about this codex too is they yeah. also get the stratagem farm. So yeah. one of their warlord traits is they get more stratagem points. Um, just like the Astro Military. Yeah, it's, it's word for word the exact same thing. Yeah. yeah. Which is, we, we've seen that through all the codexes now. Only Imperial this, codexes. Yeah, copy and pasting. Yeah. Only Imperial codexes seem to get other like other armies that get it, it's usually on a six. Yeah. I think it's supposed to represent like the t- tactical ability of the Imperium or something. They have radios. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Dark Age technology that they've rediscovered it. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's extremely strong, right? And then uh, a lot of the other cool stuff in there. Special issue ammo works on a lot of stuff. Um, Reavers it, with their heavy uh, bolt pistol, which is my favorite loadout with the combat pistol. In combat, they have AP three pistols. Well, not just in combat, but like because it shortens the range. That's mm-hmm. going to be the most likely place you use it. Yeah. But they're going to be bla- It's a plasma pistol essentially, like. Uh, not quite the same strength, but it's like also can't kill you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really strong. But you have like the bolt carbines get the special issue ammo. Um, the combi weapons, the master crafted bolters, who are, which are two damage and already have AP. Yep. They also have some cool stratagems to where they can uh, combat squad during the game. So you could have like a big squad of 10. Now you need to separate, go in different places, mm-hmm. uh, use a stratagem point. Do yeah, that. the granites also, had that as well. Yeah, all, all, all the space, all space rings, rings do. Yeah. Yeah. You can Except also, space bulls don't. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, they don't have a codex. They have a codex, yeah. You can also switch uh, what, um, what is it called? Their their doctrine or whatever uh, mm-hmm. per round with a stratagem. So yeah. You can and go after I, fast watch tap, captain. Or, I would never yeah. see why you wouldn't have a, a watch. Is it watch master that watch makes you do it master, on, on yeah. one? I would always yeah. take a watch master. Anyways. So it reduces the stratagem cost by one, which yeah. is really good. <laughs> yeah, it's extremely strong. Um, I was trying to see if you could give them, can you give the veterans a storm bolter? Uh, yeah, death watch equipment list. Yeah, so you could just like take it. normal veterans with storm bolters. That's crazy. Good. Well, it's only, I think it's only the, the sergeant guy, right? No, any death watch. Yeah, so you could just take normal veterans with storm bolters. Holy shit. Now that is... It's a lot of shots. That is... That well, is I don't, I don't really know able to, strong. Yeah, no, they can. So any, each veteran... Uh, each veteran... Um, any veteran, watch sergeant, or black shield may replace their bulkum with two items from the equipment list. One of them is storm bolter. They can take two storm oh, bolters. No, it, it, that one you can only take one. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Two storm bolters. <laughs> that, that would actually be really cool. But the uh, uh, take ten. Can, let me see. Sorry, guys, just double checking. I don't want to say something. So ten veterans with storm bolters yeah. using the deep strike strategy. Put them in a drop pod or yeah, that, deep yeah. strike. Deep oh strike my god, forty. Oh. That's whoa. That is so strong. With hellfire rounds. Like, that is so strong. Oh, 40 hello. Shots. 
dude, yeah. think I might have a new modeling project coming up on my desk. It's just like Stern Guard. Stern Guard could do but the same thing, but better. they don't have as many options for their yeah. special issue ammunition. And they don't get all the rerolls to wound, plus one to wound. So. They do get the plus one to wound, but that's only with their special issue bolter. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, amazing, right? Like, there you go. Vanguard vet, or just to take a normal troop unit, 10, use a deep strike stratagem, give them all storm bolters, mm -hmm. and profit. That is insanity. 40 shots. Yeah, it's not bad. You can, can, can actually split the shots too if you wanted yeah. to. Or, you, you can say can. half, 20 shots there, 20 shots there. Yep. And even further, yep. with a stratagem, each guy can use a different special issue ammo. Yeah. So you you're like, I need up. to go wounding on twos here, AP plus one over here. Right. That's, That's really good. Gnarly. So yeah. let's talk about some of the stratagems because they're mega strong. Like they have exceptional stratagems. Like they have a lot of the, the, the typical Space Marine ones, Hellfire Rounds, Flak Missiles. Um, Over the bombardment, all the they have the same Space Marine ones, and then of course they have their own. They have a Death of the Alien, which on sixes you generate more attacks only against Xenos. Yep. Uh, the Teleportarium, which is one of the strongest stratagems in the game, even with the FAQ. Yeah, you might have to wait a turn to do it, so what? It's not that big of a deal. Um, uh, only in Death does duty end. You can attack if you die as a character, you can attack twice. A lot of the same ones that the uh, other ones have. I think the secret sauce is when they're fighting against Xenos. All those. Yeah. yeah. Those ones are pretty good. Are, yeah, News at 11. Yeah. Shooting at Xenos. Eldar in their own turn when they move. when they If they use the fly, the yeah. fly keyword, and they move within 12 inches of they them on the their shoot. turn, they're like... Eldar are like, hey, we're the ones who are supposed to shoot you in your turn. Yeah. Death Watch yeah. like, how does it feel? It's not very fun, is it? So, so they hit you a bunch of marker lights, you're like, nah. Yep. Oh, I actually have a, zero marker lights. As soon as face. a unit of uh, Death Watch gets hit by a marker light, they can decide that the marker lights all go away on that unit. And again, as a towel player, don't freak out because it's only one unit. Yep. There's a metagame that goes on. Start putting marker lights all over the place to see which one he turns off, shoot a different unit. Yep. And if you hit with one, they only get rid of one, so it's really not that big of a deal. Yeah. Uh, the, the orc one is absolutely savage. Yeah. But against one unit. Yeah. It gets one unit, yeah. and again, you can do tricks, right? Like, if there's a big unit that's out there, like, charge me, don't charge them. Yeah. Charge something near them, and then, like, wrap them up so yeah. they can't leave combat. Yeah. Uh, Necrons is, if you're within three inches, I think it's minus one to the reanimation protocols. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Mm -hmm. Pretty, pretty good. Um, the, the Eldar one, which uh, Jason touched on, in their uh, movement phase, after a unit with the fly keyword moves, you can shoot them. Um with minus one to hit. Mm -hmm. So if you're playing a, a lay talk at long range, it probably is not worth it because you're going to be like minus three to hit, minus two to hit. What's only if they're within 12? 12 inches. Yeah. So then, yeah, you're right. You would have to, you'd already negate their bonus. Yeah. Good point. Um, the Tyranid one is you can shoot a synapse creature even if it's not the closest. So those uh, pesky Malanthropes. Yeah, somebody has some weak little Bye. thing. Yeah, yeah. Not, we're like, no, that's dead. The Malanthrope is like, my five up save is inadequate. <laughs> yeah. But then he's going to be minus one to hit already. So you're going to be minus two to hit. Oh no, that, I'm no, getting yeah. my wires crossed. Yeah. My bad. It's just minus one. Right. But the the other one too, like don't don't forget like how many things have to fly keyword. Like yep. a, 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 it's a lot of things. things in their army. It's you know, tons and tons yep. of things have to fly keyword. But that's really cool. So now they get some special rules against Xenos, so anytime you're playing against those Xenos, take this. And then so, um, they have a whole series of stratagems that give you plus one to wound when shooting against uh four sword type, like troops, yeah. elites. Which what's cool war. about that one is you can use multiple in the turn. So you're like, oh, this unit's going to shoot at the troops, so they're going to do the plus one to wound. This unit's going to shoot at the heavy support, so they're going to do the plus one to wound. 
Really cool. Uh, opposed to Veterans of the Long War, which you can only use once. Yeah. Yeah. With chaos. And then again, this is, and they're all two CP, right? Yeah. And all the ones that kill Xenos are uh, two CP, except the Necron uh, stratagem is one. So as you can see, this is an army that wants a lot of command points. Yeah. Like you need to have a ton, otherwise you can't do all your cool stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really important. They have some really cool ones too. Like they can just auto, they can just do mortal wounds to a vehicle if they're really close to it. Mm -hmm. um, they can change their uh, mission tactics, which again is reroll ones to wound against a uh, force sword slot. Yep. Um, and th it's all this like layered bonuses that make this book so good. All right, you're rerolling everything. You're getting plus one to wound, all kinds of crazy stuff. You, your regular bolters become absolutely deadly. Uh, very, very strong. Yeah. I think this is a extremely strong uh, codex overall. Yeah. Um, so they use the same psychic powers as Space Marines. Uh, nothing, nothing new there. But especially psychic powers are okay. The middle of the road. Um, the null zone's really good. It, it is. It's hard to get off. Yeah. You know, it's it's warp charge eight. Yeah. Um, it's not really something you can count on. Uh, I don't even. I I stop taking it because it's just too much of a crap shot. Yeah. On those turns when you need it to go. Um, you need it to go, right? Yep. Uh, Psychic Fortress, um, Might of Heroes, Veil of Time, those are all really good. Uh, but eh, you don't really see Psychers in Space Marine Armies that frequently. No. Yeah. Their captains are usually better. You usually see lieutenants, but then uh, Death Watch don't need it because they have a lieutenant built into every unit. Yeah. Uh, it's really strong. So uh, we'll jump over and answer some questions because I'm sure people have some. Mm -hmm. uh, really strong. This is an exciting codex. Uh, Liz, Liz Sater says we now have the incredible stratagems like Empiric Channeling and Orbital Bombardment. Uh, <laughs> Empiric Channeling is hard. Like, you have to have three psychers and they have to be near each other. I think they were being uh, sarcastic. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it, like, yeah, I, I can't justify taking three psychers in a space room army, but it makes getting your powers off, like, super easy. Yeah. Because you get plus two to cast for one of them. Um, Orbital Bombardment is actually good. It's only once per game, though. Don't forget that. Yeah. So I think we're going to try to focus on Death Watch questions, guys. Yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're not talking about Gene Death Watch. <laughs> we so, Thanks for that. So many rules questions. I like the... Um, you can always ask rules questions over at Games Workshops. Uh, yeah, or uh, Frontline Gaming PD Pop. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Axis of Entropy says, I feel like Death Watch are better than any other Space Marine faction by a lot. Only missing scouts, but you yeah, could yeah. instead of allying in um, uh, Ash Militarium, you could ally in Space Marines with scouts, Black Easy. Templar scouts, or well, yeah, Black whichever Templar. one you want. My favorite ones. Black Templar would be good for the Deny the Witch yep. strategy. Yeah. Or Blood Angels are always really good. Mm -hmm. But you need you need CP, right? Like yeah. this army really wants to have a lot of command points. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see. How would Death Watch work with Inquisition? Says Swampy Turtle Jedi. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how I, they would work with Inquisition. I, I guess. Inquisition doesn't add all that much. There's just the Inquisitors. I guess they get all right. I don't know. I mean, it makes sense, right? Because they're a branch of the Inquisition. Yeah. But if you'd want to add them, like Inquisitors to your army, sure. Go, go ahead, yeah. 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 It'd be Rocket. cool. Because with, with Death Watch, you're probably only going to take one detachment of them. Yeah. They're just, they're too expensive, right? You're going to take, I would recommend taking a battalion, mm -hmm. taking, and then, you know, probably a, a two to three units of Intercessors, fill out your troops i think that the 10 unit of veterans with storm bolters is like auto take mm -hmm. that is unbelievably good uh, and then take you know a couple fun units and that's your army a couple and then two characters obviously 
Um, Inquisition works. It's just they don't just slot into any Imperial uh, detachment anymore, like people yeah. the way people are playing yeah. them. Uh, you have to basically commit a detachment to them, which, again, with this army is not that big of a deal, right? Yeah. Like, they, they don't use a lot of detachments. Yeah. Uh, I think it would have been cool for them to, to put the Inquisitors into the codexes so like put you know the the alien inquisitors into this codex but the um the psyker whatever they are the the um the demon ones in the gray knight codex you know upcoming uh sisters of battle thing if that actually happens uh put in the witch hunter inquisitors you know that's an easy way to put them in where then they have relevance instead of trying to make an inquisitors inquisition codex which is very difficult yeah. unless you yeah. add in a whole bunch of new stuff like cultists and all you know imperial cultists and all this stuff like they I mean, used to have, but we'll see what GW does. Like yeah. they're they're knocking everything out quickly. Right. I wouldn't I wouldn't worry if you if you really like having an like a inquisis, inquisitorial themed army. Yeah. You can still play it now, maybe not the way you did. Yeah. But you can still do it, and then in the future, who knows? Like right. I would be willing to bet they get some love eventually. Right. right. Just right. like Sisters of Silence and all that mm -hmm. stuff. Where uh, am I going to get twenty storm bolters? Uh, interestingly enough, the GW cargo crates. Have a ton of storm boulders that come with it. I do. Also, uh, yeah. the what I do because I don't like the way they look. I took really beefy bolters with big drum ammo box, and I put every guy that had a storm bolter had this like super big bolter, and I just tell my opponents if you see this gun, it's a storm bolter. It's consistent through the whole army, and that that works too. Um, I got some really cool custom like sh auto shotgun, mm -hmm. um, badass looking guns, and it's like. That unique looking thing is a storm bolter across my whole army. That's fine. You can also just give them like shotguns or whatever and be like, or bolters and be like, those are storm bolters. And then later on, I'm like, no, I said those were bolters. <laughs> I'm like, are you calling me a liar? And then you get whole, it becomes a whole thing. It's great. Yeah, but just be clear with your opponent and be consistent. Yeah. As long as you're consistent, it's cool. Uh, federal something. Uh, I'm going to be TOing a GT coming up and I don't want any tie games. So in, in ITC Champions missions, having a tie game is really hard to do. Uh, they both have to score the same out of 42 points. It's not normal. It does happen. Uh, as a tiebreaker, usually you go to either power level or victory points um, as, a, as, a, as a tiebreaker. Yep. Uh, hmm. All right. Yeah. Questions are right. coming a little slow. All right. Well, sweet. Well, guys, uh, hopefully you, you guys are enjoying Death Watch. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and it is on pre-order right now. And also yeah. check out these cool commissions yeah, we recently yet. painted. Uh, we're not done yet. Boom. The, the commission. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, run, us, run us through these paint master. Paint master. That's what I have in my business card. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, what we have, we have, um, you know, a 40k character commission here. This is a, it's, it's a Stormcaller. Nigel. Uh, in his old. It's Nigel, not yeah. Nigel. No. Nigel. Nigel. Stormcaller. This is his non-Terminator uh, frame here with his little beaky friend. That's uh, his name is like. Beakhead or something. Yeah, it's Cyber Eagle. Beakhead. You don't see, you know, him and, and Codius have like matching Cyber Eagles, which is cool. Uh, that's not, that's a Raven dude. Cyber Raven, okay. Well, come on. Same thing. Because well, Odin had Ravens. Like he had two Ravens were his right. like, buddies. Like. And then we have um, a lot of, we have a bunch of Malifaux models. Um, people forget that uh, we don't only just paint 40K, but we do also paint Malifaux. And yep. also there are some Knight miniatures on here, which do all the, um, the DC and the Marvel characters. Um, just really good looking stuff. This is all very high level. Um, and then a Battlefleet Gothic, Battle Gothic ship. Battle Again, Fleet you don't see those Gothic. very often. Um, we're happy to do them. This one came out really well. The, the client essentially was like, I want it to look like the box. Perfect. There you go. Done. Yeah, there you go. Uh, not easily done, but done. No. And yeah. 
Yeah, and it, you know, anyone who knows Mouthful Glossy, it's a pretty small scale. Um, and so this artist did a lot of good detail work. Um, there are some photos of it showing from behind where there's a glow effect on the, on on the, the engines. engines. Um, so yeah, again, if you guys uh, want to get things that are not 40K painted uh, or Games Workshop, we do a lot of those commissions as well. So hit us up. Definitely do. Thank you guys for joining us for this episode of Signals from the Frontline. We hope you enjoyed it. Hope you guys are all excited for Death Watch, all you guys and gals out there, because this is a very cool book, and I think it's going to be really popular. Mm -hmm. yep. Anyway, we will talk to you all next week. Are we going to be on next week? Yes. Chris, we're going to London? No, we leave on Wednesday. We leave Wednesday afternoon. Possible. I don't know. I think, we, I think we leave in the evening, actually. We fly out. Yeah. If you guys are in the UK and you're, you're fans of the show, we will all be, pretty much the entire Frontline Gaming crew will be in London for four days, and then Nottingham for two days, something yep. like that. Maybe Ireland for a day. We'll be, in, we'll be in Nottingham for like four days, actually. Okay. So yeah, if you're going to be at the London GT, come by and say hi. We're all going to be playing. Mm -hmm. Jason's actually not going to be playing. I'm going to be doing touristy stuff, but I'll be around. Yeah. Touristy. Yeah. And uh, Frankie and I will both be playing. Your army just got done. Yeah. Exciting. Finally. Boom. Exciting. All right, guys. Hey, what's up, everybody? Here is Reesius with a very special segment of Signals from the Frontline. We've got an interview with the one, the only... Mr. Chuck Moore, Age of Sigmar community organizer and author of the Realmgate blog oriented about his experiences in Age of Sigmar with primarily his Daughters of Cain army, but also just in uh, community organization, hobbying and going to tournaments. Uh, Chuck, thank you so much for joining us, man. How you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me on, Reese. Yeah, of course, man. And uh, Chuck and I actually talk quite a bit. Uh, in real life or offline, however you want to, to describe it. But uh, it's really good to have you on the podcast and to get some more Age of Sigmar content uh, and, and some discussion. But the main the main reason that we're, we're talking today is uh, Chuck is kind of spearheaded uh, community organization at a, a higher level uh, with North American Age of Sigmar scene. Uh, it's kind of liaison between lots of different TOs and Games Workshop and uh, us here at Frontline Gaming to try and get everybody working on the same page. And to that end, uh, he worked really hard on putting together the Age of Sigmar community pack, which you can find uh, over at his blog, The Realm Gate. And really, it's a, a really cool kind of comprehensive document that helps guide people along the path of getting involved in organizing an Age of Sigmar community locally, all the way up to a, a national level event if they have those aspirations. So. Uh, first of all, Chuck, thanks for putting that together. Second of all, uh, what, what was your motivation for um, to putting all this work that you've put into this to try and get things uh, moving forward? Well, really, it began about two years ago. Um, I had a thought of an idea and uh, working with a, a few other people in the community, organized a meetup at Adepticon with Games Workshop and, and community leaders within the Age of Sigmar across North America, just to kind of figure out what are we missing? What can we do to help each other? And it was kind of eye-opening in the meeting that we all realized that we don't understand each other's differences as much as we thought. Like, you know, our, our struggles are in, in the U.S. The fact that we have such a broad country, we have you know plenty of people that are interested in the in the game and hobby, but we're scattered all over the place. We have you know essentially five separate regions, five or six, depending on how you look at it. And really, it, it kind of came back down to after talking and getting ideas that we really needed to help ourselves in a way and, and show Games Workshop who was beginning to reach out to the community to the level that you see now that we want to reach back. We want to make sure that 
we have a part in shaping the future. So from there, the, you know, the group kind of organized and decided that what if we make some sort of a, a guideline pack? What's, what's the issues in, in the country? What's, uh, what's the levels of play in our country? And not just levels of play as far as competition. I, I mean, as far as we have local level events, we have regional level events, and we have national level events. And right now the national levels being LVO, Adepticon, and Nova Open. So what can players expect? How can they set up an event? If they're going to event, what do they need to bring? What do they need to know? Just kind of ease them into it. So we laid out the idea of making a, a modular pack with obviously different modules. So about how do you handle sportsmanship, scoring, painting, narrative, terrain, choosing a venue, what's the player's responsibilities, and focusing it down onto those three levels. So uh, if you look at the pack, we had, I, many, many people worked on it. I was more of just the spearhead of organizing it. Uh, but really, it took about a year to get going uh, and, and finalized and, and put it out there. But I have some, had some good feedback on it. And really, it's no matter what level of play you're on, it's about making sure everybody across the country, no matter how far apart we are, that even though we have different regions, we have own personalities, and we want to encourage that, but we're all still playing the same core game of Age of Sigmar that we all know and love. Yeah, I 100% agree, and I know in many conversations between just the two of us that um, all of our goals align, and as I've said many times regarding uh, the, the 40K ITC uh, community is the rising tide lifts all ships, right? If we all help each other, everyone benefits and our own events will benefit too. So I think that uh, you really nailed it um, uh, in your answer and in just your attitude in general. And one of the things that I was most impressed with is I was at that meeting at Adepticon. Uh, you brought together people from every aspect of, uh, of the hobby, um, people who were event organizers, people who were, who were uh, active painters, uh, you know, that, that reached out and showed people how to, uh, hobby uh to get the hobby going in age of sigma people who are interested in the narrative aspect of it um you really touched on all the different aspects of the community to to try and get them uh, all going in one direction and you tried to reflect that in the pack too uh, i know that the pack talks about all different all different aspects of the hobby and, that, and how to promote those and, and how to uh, draw those people in to to get engaged in what is essentially um a social game right like you can't really do it by yourself <laughs> Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and really, the more I, I've gotten involved in the, in the people I meet, uh, you know, just from this meeting and then online through Twitter and Facebook and, and all the social media, it, it's, it's it's odd as if the game has really become the secondary and it's the community which has become the primary. The, the friends I've made, uh, you know, just through starting by, you know, like yourself, working on this pack, the Northeast guys and some Southwest guys and, and the guys in the Midwest that have a, a fantastic scene, uh, going on, just being able to know them, work with them, and then just become friends with them that every year when I go to an event, I'm going to play the game that we all know and love, but I'm going to see them. So there's really a community aspect at the core of this pack. I agree completely. And I tell people that, uh, frequently just to reiterate what you had said that, uh, when people are talking about like, Oh, you know, why would you ever fly to go to a, uh, you know, a games workshop hobby event or any, any kind of hobby event or any hobby at all outside of even tabletop gaming. 
you know, it's, it's expensive. Why would you do that? And I'm like, it's not really about, I mean, you go for the, you go for the, 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 the event, you go for the, 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 the thing you're passionate about, but really what keeps you involved is the people. Uh, it's about the community uh, being a part of something that you really care about with other people that really care about it also. That, that is really the engine that drives this whole thing that we do. Um, this, this very silly hobby that we're also, uh, that we love so much. And uh, I, I agree with you completely. And I'm really glad that somebody took the reins and jumped in and did it because the Age of Sigmar community, largely because of the way the game launched, it was really fragmented. Um, as you said earlier, uh, there, everyone was all over the place. Like, do we use points? Do we not use points? Like, yeah, there's plenty of, of comps out there. And, and I guess that's the other thing to, to touch on. This, this uh, community pack isn't built to be any sort of comp. And when you're reading through it, uh, even on the house rules module, it talks about options. It's, this is what you could do. This is, uh, this is what could go right. This is what could go wrong by doing that. Um, kind of just to help you make decisions because the one thing that no one in Age of Sigmar that I know really wants to get back to is, is comp packs. We don't want to have Swedish comp or no comp or anything. We just want to play Age of Sigmar anywhere we go, whether it's across the US, UK, Europe, anywhere. So, uh, I, I don't want that anyone to get an impression that this is a, a comp based system. It's not. It's a very open ended, user friendly play Age of Sigmar. Here's some, here's some things to help you do that. Yeah. And, that is a really good segue into the next point is that the uh, ITC for Age of Sigmar is going to be adopting this pack like as it as it is. And one of the reasons that we can do that is because a core philosophy with the, the ITC, the independent uh, tournament circuit, is exactly what it says, is that each uh, event organizer is the captain of their own ship. They're independent. So we're not ever trying to dictate what people do. We're not trying to dictate the tone or any of the details on what they're what anybody wants to do, we're providing a, a starting point and guidelines based on what has worked in trial and error. And your pack is exactly that. That's why it was so easy to pick it up and say, look, hey, a lot of, uh, of people who are already working all around the country on uh, building Age of Sigmar communities have all put their input into this. They say this works for them. Why, why try to reinvent the wheel? Let's just use what works. And anybody out there that wants to tweak anything based on their local community, uh, their desires, they can do that. And that's, I think, one of the best things about uh, the pack that uh, that you helped bring to life. Yeah, and uh, it, it's, it's, as you said, it's nothing set in stone. It's it's more options, things to think about, what to consider while you're planning what your community might be. Are they narrative? Are they hyper-competitive? Are they relaxed competitive? Do you want to play open play, match play? Uh, you know, what... What level do I be at? So you, you can see all the levels and, and take it from there. And the other thing too, uh, some people across the country that are using it, their their painting standard is at a national level. Everyone is fully painted, fully based to a very high level, but maybe their competition level is very casual. And then other areas, you, you obviously have the reverse where a hobby is not really a thing, but they want to play hyper competitive. So even though it's broken down into local, regional, national, it's kind of a a slider bar where you go up and down in each module and, and you could take a, a module in here and just throw it away and say, I don't want to use that. I don't, <laughs> I don't need to figure out how to choose a venue. I have a venue. So let's not look at that module. Right. And, but that's what makes it so, so useful. It's, it's relatively ubiquitous, right? Like it gives you a tool set to approach all of the common hurdles 
um, that, that can be a barrier to entry to someone taking the plunge and becoming a, a community organizer for Age of Sigmar for any tabletop game. Um, and it gives you uh, really valuable insights and experiences from people who've done it all before. Um, and I, I think that's great. That was one of the things I liked the most. Uh, I liked the most about it. It made it so simple just to say, yeah, let's run with this um, and get it out there for people. So what, why don't we talk a little bit more in detail about the pack itself? Um, what are some things you would like to highlight uh, in it um, that you think would be very useful for someone out there who's listening to this and thinking that they might want to pick it up and run with it and start organizing locally in their community? The one I'd probably start with would be the painting module. Um, it was done by Vince Ventrella of Warhammer Weekly, if you uh, catch his weekly show on YouTube. And he really put a ton of thought into this. He's a high-level competition painter, but he went top-down, very basic, you know, kind of a, a middle line, a very high level. And then even within there, he broke it down further. Uh, and one thing that most anybody who goes to a major event like LVO Nova or Adepticon can attest to is you walk into the Age of Sigmar Hall and it's very rare to see an army that's not super high quality and, and the hobby's usually very high uh, on our end of things because that's just what we know and love. So that's one of the, the cornerstones. And it's really a place where we kind of planted a flag because in the Age of Sigmar community, we really appreciate and love nicely painted armies. So you have that proper uh, respect when you're at, the, at a, at a uh, seeing your opponent who does the same for you. Uh, outside of that, definitely, definitely love uh, the uh, scenario selection module. Um, is done by Bill Costello. Uh, he's part of the Rolling Bad podcast. Out your way. Um, once again, tons of thought into this. What type of event are you running? What type of club are you running? What's the level of competition? Do you have new people? Do you have you know older players, veterans? So really, just breaking it down and giving you so much food for thought. So you know whenever you're running an event, should I do General's Handbook with a secondary? Should I make my own custom scenario from out of, out of the ether? Or should I start going through the campaign books uh, or just use the open war, war deck? So those are probably two of the really first ones I, I, I always look to whenever I'm looking at the pack. But really it's uh, and seeing what works for you. Uh, you know, like my local club, we don't really need to use the sportsmanship module at my local club because we're all friendly. That's just how we play. So, you know, maybe if your club's that way, you don't need to look at it. But, but if you have some problem people in your club that are kind of giving other players a bad time, maybe that's one you want to take a look at and work into your, your events at a, at a local club. But so really we touch on as much as we can. Um, like I said, we have a, a narrative dedicated pot or module that's, uh, fantastic. Um, we also did a, uh, you did one for it as well. Let's, let's not forget that one. <laughs> do you want to, do you, do you want to talk about the one you did? So just listen to me ramble. No, go ahead. It's uh you're, I mean, you're the man who put it all together. So please continue. Well, with what you did with the, uh, social interaction and community growth module, uh, I think it ties in directly with what you originally did with the ITC to help connect people and, and how to grow a community. Um, you know, and you kept it very, very open. Here's where you start from the ground up, and here's where you can get to if you look at, at the, the interaction you've, you've developed over the years, uh, especially with 40K. So really the sky's the limit. And I should also state that uh, it's not a one and done. This document is out there right now, but we're not 
not done with it. We're, we're still organized as a group. Um, we're not working on anything as a group right now. We all have our own various projects going on within Age of Sigmar. Um, but our plan is to update this pack as needed, specifically looking around timeframes that are about three months after GW does their big FAQs and updates. So kind of keep a every quarter. So if something gets a little askew within the rules, well, we could maybe put something in this house ruling module. So as people use this pack, they uh, look at it and go, okay, well, here's a possible solution. So maybe Bale and Vortex is giving you a hard time. Well, just prevent it from being able to deploy seven inches of a uh, objective, and it, and it can help quite a bit. Uh, but some people don't like that and just want it to be rules as. So as like I said, that's one of the things where you, you pick and choose uh, what you like out of this pack. Yeah, that's a really good point because the Bellwind Vortex is the hot-button topic in Age of Sigmar by a mile. Um, and we get calls for people asking for it to be banned like constantly. And our head, T.O. Scott Reed, is always like, you know, kind of agonizing over whether or not that's the call that he should make. Because uh, if it doesn't come from GW, it's always a little, people always question it. People question it even when it does come from GW, but they accept it, right? Um, and, and anytime you, you dabble in that, you, it definitely needs to be a big red stamp on it. This is optional. <laughs> like, like, do this if you think it will benefit your community. And um, that's the advice I give people every day. Do what works for, for your group. What is going to make your group happy? That is what you should do. You know, because um, if you don't have, uh, if it doesn't start locally, you can never build, right? Like, you might as well not try. Right. And really, the suggestion I, I could say is do a light as light as touch as possible. I would never think of actually banning the Balin Vortex. It's very powerful. Uh, there's a few uh, very damaging combos you could do with it. Uh, I, I am a fan of the putting it seven inches outside of an objective just because of the way it can push models and everything kind of seems to help, but it's still there as a valuable tool for players to use. And, you know, for instance, that, that came uh, from uh, the Adepticon pack this year. And it's like, that's, that's a very simple, uh, not necessarily a solution, but it's a, it's a, it, we, you can call it a fix and, and allow it in the event. Cause I, I'm not a fan of outright banning personally. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and everyone has got a different point of view on that topic. Um, having been previously in the business of like sticking your finger in the dike to plug all the holes, uh, with seventh edition 40 K and the ITC, the way it used to work. I, all of us here are very, very familiar with that. <laughs> and, um, I, I agree with you. Taking a light touch is, is usually a good idea, but in some communities, and I think anyone who's been a part of more than one gaming community can attest, each one has its own personality and they could be dramatically different from one another. So like we've been kind of hammering on that point the whole time we've been talking is do what works, do what works for you, right? Like if your community likes to play everything as it is written, but something's really truly causing a problem and it's, it's becoming toxic, like people are maybe pulling away from the group, then something needs to be done. And perhaps in that environment, like you said, doing something like moving it seven inches away from objective, objectives is enough. However, on the other um, token, if you're in a group where people are like, I'm done, this is completely killing my enjoyment, and um, it's it's becoming toxic in the other way, maybe then you need to just say, well, how about we just don't use these here? 
Um, and of course, always do it in a polite way, a considerate way to the other the people involved. And uh, it uh, just depends, you know. It just depends on the, the group. Yeah, absolutely, and even in the in the in the module itself or in house rules, it mentions you can just outright remove it from from a pack. That may be the solution if no matter how much you talk to the person who's abusing it, won't stop bringing it. So it, that is that is an option. While I'm not a fan of it, it doesn't matter. This pack isn't about what what I want. This is pack is about what everyone can do to help make their community grow and thrive. Exactly, exactly. And any kind of a document like this is not because people really. People jump to like negative conclusions all the time, as you know, and they think it's like you trying to impose your will on the community. And it's like absolutely not what it is. It's just providing a starting point, and a, a guideline. And uh, just in this little brief interaction that we've had, you can see different people have different points of view on things. And that's totally cool. We can still come together and play a game. Uh, everyone just has to be willing to compromise a little bit. And, um, and that's easy to do, really. Uh, and a, a pack like this helps you to get to that get to that point. Um, you had mentioned something earlier that I wanted to touch on too. You said that as a part of this process, you've had an opportunity to work with uh, organizers from all around the country and really become friends. And I think, uh, and I'd love to hear your perspective on this, but uh, having experienced a similar thing, it's really easy for like rivalries to spring up because uh, oftentimes people that are very active community organizers or A-type personalities, um, it's easy for them to get competitive with each other or to bump heads or to see each other as perhaps uh, a competitor or even a threat or to look at what someone else is doing. And like you said, maybe there's a difference of opinion on something like the bail and vortex or anything like that. And then to instantly think of them as being the other or different or weird because they have a different point of view on something that they're doing. But when you work with them, you often find that they're like 99% the same and that you actually have a ton in common and become really good friends. What, what was your experience in that regard? I, I think a big part of it kind of comes down to how Age of Sigmar was released in the eighth edition of the world that was ended. Um, anyone who stayed with Warhammer Fantasy into Age of Sigmar went through a similar thing that I went through where it was me <laughs> and no one else. And then eventually I got more people and eventually. So you started getting a group forming and you start doing it your own way, and then as you start reaching out, you know, you might be more protective because, it, it, as we are all beginning, it was a very fragile thing. No one really knew what was going on. And people knew each other prior, but, you know, it, it's definitely a... Uh, there, there's still core people who were went through, but there's also a lot of new people. So the interesting thing is the fact that, yeah, we, we're all different. We have, you know, you know, like five different regions, each, like, doing their own thing but we're all still playing age of sigmar the same way so it if you just sit down and talk to each other you really get to see that we all have the same goal maybe we're just going about it a different way and even just knowing what other people are doing can help you figure out the correct path for how you need to go for your local club your regional club or national events which granted there's only three but you know it's just a matter of time before Something like uh, NashCon or Midwest Meltdown could blow up and become a, a national level event. So it, it's it, it's just real, realization that you're talking to people. You share the same passion, but you also share the same you know pain that we all went through trying to get games, trying to just play this game, trying to trying to love it, and trying to get your community to grow. So it, we're we're much much more similar than you uh, probably realize. So don't be afraid to 
to open up and and just be be honest and and accept critical feedback as well as be willing to give critical feedback on the knowledge that we're all just trying to grow this game and make sure we're all having a great time doing it. Yeah, I agree. And I, I was really curious to hear your point of view on that because um, on the 40K side, we worked, we've been trying to, the ITC has been something I've been working on as a kind of a pet project for like 10 years. And then professionally with the with Frontline Gaming, um, kept trying to get everybody on the same page. And it's really difficult. That's why I have so much respect for what you've done um, because you have a lot of uh, strong perspectives on the way things should or should not be done. You know, it's like politics in a sense. And um, when we finally kind of like broke down those barriers, all these people that maybe we uh, debated with passionately previously now are like some of my best friends. Um, and I extremely value their perspective and we go out of our way to help each other out. Like, you know, Adepticon, Nova, uh, we're about to fly over to London to support our buddies in the London GT. Um, and we, we go to as many events as we can to show that support because you become, you know, colleagues and you really form a respect for one another as a result of having worked with each other closely and understanding the trials and tribulations, as you noted. So I think it's cool that, 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 that you guys are having that same experience, right? Because it breaks down any barriers. And uh, when we all work together, we can accomplish so much more than when we are not working together. Um, so that's that's really cool. I'm glad to hear that reflected in your experience as well. Yeah, and it, it's it's very interesting. That you, I talk to these people all the time, uh, and it's not always about Warhammer, but that is usually the focus because that's what we all love. But when I see them at like Adepticon, I, I just walked up to them and said, "Hey," and just hugged them. It's it's like we've been friends forever because we have. I've been friends with people that came over from England, uh, gentlemen's by their aliases names uh, Mitzi and Jimbo, and. He went to go shake my hand. I said, "No, we're hugging." And I just, <laughs> I just grabbed him, and we, and we just hugged because I've been talking to them for years line, and, and sure, that was our first face-to-face meeting, but we know each other so much, and that's really like, like back back to the the point. That's really what this is all about: is we share the same passion, but it's about meeting with your 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 Warhammer friends and and having fun and just letting off some steam. Yeah, it is, and a lot of people have misconceptions about what everything is, what we're all trying to do. And that's, that's what it is. It's building a community of, of like-minded people that all share the same passion, regardless of their background, right? Like you make friends with people you never even would have met through this. And uh, it's really cool. And that's where we put all this time and energy into trying to make it, to, to make it work and getting people to talk to each other. So uh, we're really proud and happy to adopt the community pack into the ITC. I think it's a perfect fit. Um, and not only because we help make it, but because I really believe in, in what you guys are doing. And I think it's the right the right move and that ultimately um, it's going to, to benefit everybody that enjoys the Age of Sigmar hobby um, and help keep uh, people buying the game, uh, going to events, keep it all healthy and keep new people coming in and keep people participating longer than they may have otherwise because they develop those friendships. So we're really stoked um, to see where this goes. And uh, before we close it, down chuck did you have anything else you wanted to add well uh i also would like to do a quick plug for uh the event i will be the to of uh upcoming here at the end of august september uh, i will be the to for the grand tournament and team doubles event for nova open this year for age of sigmar so actually almost done with the packs got to do some reviews and then they'll be out public uh there is some tickets available so if you're free 
Labor Day weekend, so August 30th, September 2nd, is when the event's going on. Games Workshop will be there. Uh, there's a big narrative going on, which I think is sold out right now, but I'd love to have you out if you're interested and just hang out, chat, play some games, and just just enjoy the community. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we all here go to Nova pretty much every year. I, I don't. I think maybe we've missed once, but uh, I can attest to the fact that it's a really, really top-notch, you know, international, really level event, and uh, well worth the time, energy, and money to go. Uh, it's it's super duper fun, and um, I'm I'm gonna try to play AOS. I think they overlaps with 40k, but um, I'm gonna do my best to participate. Uh, in that event and uh, definitely encourage anybody to do so if they're giving it some thought because I'm sure you'll do a great job. And um, like I said, the event itself is a blast. Well, at the very least, you and I will have to try to get a game out of, of Sigmar. Yeah, that would be super fun. My, Although I have to I have to be fair, my Free People's Army is filthy. <laughs> the uh, With the new Stormcast artillery buffing character, my army went from like <laughs> an 8 to like an 11. Like, it was already, I would say my army was, like, right one step under Zinch as, like, mega powerful. And now I was like, wow, this is, I get to shoot him again? (laughs) (laughs) Well, then I'll just bring 120 witch shells instead of 90. Yes, please do, because I have four artillery pieces. Cool boy. Yeah, it's, 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 I, whenever I play, I always ask people what kind of, I like, are you looking for a fun game or a competitive game? Because if you're looking for a fun game, this is probably not the right army for that. <laughs> and then I bring out my, you know, hundred halberdiers and uh, it's a little bit more enjoyable for, for everybody. Very much. All right, buddy. Well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, as always a pleasure speaking with you and keep up, uh, keep up the good work. And we can't wait to see what happens as we uh, kind of bring everybody closer together. Thank you very much. Have a good one, man.